0: I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, The Biblical Principles Governing the Eyes. I started a lesson, uh, lesson 11, uh, in the last lesson, and uh, there was such a flow of the Spirit of the Lord that I did not complete that lesson. And so this is uh, the second part of that lesson, and I'm actually going to number this lesson 11, uh, lesson 12, Instead of calling it Part Two of Lesson Eleven, so but again, very briefly reviewing the be- the beginning of this lesson, the, the the this the subject here is the most devastating misuse of the eyes, uh, both naturally and spiritual devastation is lusting after another person who is not your husband or your wife, and it starts with a. Uh, a look that's seemingly innocent enough, and then that progresses to the lingering look, which edges closer to the line, and then finally we cross the line in the longing look. Uh, the longing look crosses the line, and then there's some kind of action will be initiated once we cross that line. And this is where the sin comes in. And I, I, I read to uh, you in the last lesson the uh, the, the scriptures from 2 Peter chapter 2, verse uh, t- 12 through 22, where Peter talks about those who were once believers and still are projecting or presenting themselves as believers, apostolics, born again of water and the Spirit. They're still pre- pretending, though, as though they're a part of the church, still participating with the church. But he described them as having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sinning. Eyes full of adultery that cannot cease for sinning. And he, he talked about that they are wells without water. Clouds are carried with a tempest to whom the mist of darkness reserved forever because they speak great swelling words of vanity to allure people to them because of the lust of their flesh and through much wantonness. And, and, and they promise people liberty. You can, God loves you. You can live however you want to live. That's the lie. That's the lie. God loves us just like we are. We can live however we want to live. He's going to keep on loving us. Uh, That's not biblically accurate at all. It is pure deception. And that anyone preaching that message is deceived. It's deceived. God loves us just like we are. But he loves us too much to leave us like we are. And the word of God makes it very clear that while he will save us in our sins, he he intends to save us from our sins. It's not enough to be saved in our sins. He forgives us in those sins. I'm in sin. He he forgives me. But he he pulls us out of that. He pulls us out of that. He he, he saves us from our sins. And so the scripture says that this this is so very devastating. Verse 20, for if after they've escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them According to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. What, what? It's very descriptive, but a very true and accurate description that God brought us out of sin and we think we can be saved going back in and living in that sin. Now, flesh is flesh and people make mistakes and even the most faithful will sin Uh, in some way on occasion because none of us are perfect, but it is a matter of habitual sinning and not only habitually sinning, but I cannot habitually sin if I sin and repent and I sin and confess and repent. That proves I don't want to stay in that. I'm sincerely wanting to not live like that to further, to, to further make this point as I've done in several of the lessons. I want to read the primary verse that I'm talking about here, uh, which is verse uh, 14 that says, "...having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, uh and heart they have exercised with covetous practices." Cursed children. I want to read several translations just for you to be able to get the full impact of this. The Living Bible says, No woman can escape their sinful stare, and of adultery they never have enough. They make a game of luring unstable women. They train themselves to be greedy and are doomed and are cursed. The New Living Translation says, They commit adultery with their eyes, and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin. And they are well trained in greed. They live under God's curse. Today's English version says, They want to look at nothing but immoral women. Their appetite for sin is never satisfied. They lead weak people into a trap. Their hearts are trained to be greedy. They're under God's curse. The Bible in basic English says, Having eyes full of evil desire, never having enough of sin, turn Fee- turning feeble souls out of the true way. They are children of cursing whose hearts are well used, to bitter, well used to bitter envying. The contemporary English version says, if they think about having sex with someone else's husband or wife, there's no end to their wicked deeds. They trick people who are easily fooled and their minds are filled with greedy thoughts, but they are headed for trouble. The easy to read Bible says, every time they look at a woman, they want her. They are always sinning this way, and they lead weaker people into the trap of sin. They have taught themselves well to be greedy. They are under a curse. The New Century Version says, every time they look at a woman, they want her, and they desire. their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lead weak people into the trap of sin, and they have taught their hearts to be greedy. God will punish them. The complete Jewish Bible says, for they have eyes always on the lookout for a woman who will commit adultery, eyes that never stop sinning. And they have a heart that they have exercised, that has exercised itself in greed so that they seduce unstable people. What a cursed brood. And then finally, the New International Reader's Version says, they stare at a woman, they stare at women who are not their wives. They want to have sex with them. They never stop sinning. They trap those who are not firm in their faith. They have mastered the art of getting what they want. God has placed them under his curse. This passage from Second Peter uh, is such a grave warning to the redeemed who think they are not capable of falling into sin, into the depths of sin because they are saved. This is a grave warning to us. It's a grave warning to us. We need to be listening to this. In fact, this is such so striking, disturbing that we need to look at the whole passage again from a couple of other translations. And so I, I'm going, I'm, I'm reading again, and I want you to, I want you to hear this again in context from the whole translation. So the first one we're going to read from is the New Living Translation, which is very modern reading, but it, it, it. It, it's a little easier to follow. So listen to this, uh, verse 12, second Peter chapter 12, the new living translation. These false teachers are unlike, are, are like unthinking animals, creatures of instinct. Born to be caught and destroyed. They scoff at things they do not understand. And like animals, they will be destroyed. And might I add that according to what Peter describes them as later, they are, they are participating in the physical act of intimacy like animals. It is, it's all about that heat, being in heat. It's not about love. It's not about procreation. It's not about any purpose of relationship. It's just heat. That's all it is. Their destruction is, in verse 13, their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. So they are, they have reached such a place of, of, uh, of, uh, of self-deception that they now are coming out of the closet with their sin. Uh, They are a disgrace and a stain among you. They delight in deception even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. They commit adultery with their eyes and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin and they are well trained in greed. They live under God's curse. They have wandered off the right road and and followed the footsteps of Balaam, the son of Beor who uh, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. What? what, what the only way God could arrest this prophet's attention was to have an, uh, an animal speak with a human voice. That's how bad off he was. This prophet of God had gotten in such a state such a state. So when when Peter begins to talk about the prophet, that's when the description of all of this becomes not just the broad description of any believer who could be in this condition as described verses 12 through uh, uh, 14, but now he's now talking about the leaders of these people. The leaders of these people. And so... He said these people are as useless as dried up sprigs or as a mist blown away by the wind. They are doomed to blackest darkness. They brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting, with an appeal to twisted sexual desires. They lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of destruction. Can, can, can you imagine the place in hell that is reserved for these people? who are so caught up in their own sin that it doesn't even bother them to take people that God has begun to bring out of sin because they're born again of water and the spirit. And now th- th- these people are trying to make their way into, to, to having a relationship with God. But these, these leaders are so caught up with themselves that it doesn't bother them at all to undermine this effort of these people to truly be saved in order to bring them right back into the depth of depravity that the leader is in, and maybe even to a depth of depravity that that person had never been in before this leader got involved with them. Uh, they are doomed, uh, they are doomed to the blackest darkness, it says. They are doomed to the blackest darkness. Again, they brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting, with an appeal to twisted sexual desires. They lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle deception. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. You're a slave to whatever controls you. Oh, well, I don't believe that what I'm doing is anything wrong. Really? 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 You don't believe it's wrong? Stop it. Just make up your mind and stop it. Cold turkey, stop it. Prove that it's not controlling you instead of you controlling it like you think. Prove it. Just stop it. Right now, this moment. Don't ever do it again. See if you can do that. If you can't, then it's not con- you're not controlling your lust. Your lust is controlling you. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. It would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live uh, they were given to live a holy life. Uh, listen to this again, listen one more time. This is almost unfathomable for a person who's given their life to try to see people saved, to acknowledge that it, if they were under the influence of these leaders and the leadership of these spiritual leaders, and they're, they're truly spiritual leaders, but not God's spirit, it would be better for their victims if they had never known the way of righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. That's almost unfathomable. Why? Because, and this is not the subject of this lesson, it is a fairly simple biblical proof that there are degrees of punishment in hell. And the degree of punishment for those who have known the way of truth And have allowed their lust to take them away from it. It is the mist of darkness. The greatest place in darkness and torment that anybody can imagine. Because they won't be deceived in hell. All of their deception will be gone and they'll see everything they've done for what it really was. And how they allowed themselves to get there. And finally, the New Living Translation says, verse 22, They proved the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to its vomit, and another says a washed pig returns to the mud. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. God is able to keep us from that. But I have to walk in a conscience that I don't, do not do not sear, that a conscience that still has feelings, and I have to walk in response to the Holy Ghost, the conviction of the Holy Ghost that is trying to talk to me. Let's uh, let's read one more translation for this. Why are you doing this? To make the point without any wiggle room. Can I confess that to you? That for your sake and the sake of the people that you will eventually end up influencing as a child of God, that this is brought to such a point where there is no excuse and no wiggle room. And, and hopefully, hopefully that at whatever point you're tempted, the spirit of God will repeat to you things you've heard in these lessons and keep you free for your sake and the sake of all your family and the sake of all those that he will, he has intended for you to influence. So here's the easy to read version uh, of the Bible. Uh, Again, Second Peter, starting with verse twelve, Second Peter 2. But these false teachers speak evil against what they don't understand. They're like animals that do things without really thinking, like wild animals that are born to be caught and killed. And like wild animals, they will be destroyed. They have made many people suffer, so they themselves will suffer. That is their pay for what they have done. They think it is fun to do evil where everyone else can see them. They enjoy the evil things that please them. So they are like dirty spots and stains among you. They bring shame to you in the meals you eat together. Every time they look at a woman, they want her. They're always sinning this way. And they lead weaker people into the trap of sin. They they taught themselves well to be greedy. They are under a curse. So this greed here is not just talking about greed for money. But the greed, the greed of lust that wants, that wants victims, 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 victims. Oh, they don't think these people are victims. They, they, they think they're providing as much pleasure as they're giving. But they're only talking about the momentary pleasure of sin. They're not in all, at all considering. They don't even consider at all. It doesn't cross their mind. The consequences of that. Because if you sow to the flesh of the flesh, you're gonna reap corruption, corruption or destruction, ruin. They don't think about that. That's not even a consideration. They see this as a single standalone act that as long as both parties get pleasure, it's okay. They don't consider that they they might have talked this person into doing something. Yes, is that person accountable for what they're doing? Yeah, they're accountable. But would they have done that same thing without someone persuading them? In many cases, no. No, no. It's an amazing thing how lust works. You know, it's such a part of this world's culture to go to bars and pick up people for casual sex. They think it's what they're wearing. They think it's the way they look. But that's not how the spirit of lust works. A person can be standing at their bar, male or female, with the back to the door. And the person they're going to hook up with walks through the, through the door. And without either one of them seeing each other and making eye contact, the spirit of lust on one and the spirit of lust on the other already has connected. So that when they do make eye contact, they recognize that connection. And it's just, you know, it's just a matter of completing the process. They think they're in control. They think this is their choice. But they've so given themselves over to lust, it's not their choice, and they're not in control. Oh, yes, it's their choice to, to go to the bar or whatever. But this this they're fellowshipping with something they don't understand and they don't recognize. They've given themselves over to stuff that they don't have any control over. It controls them. So verse 15 says, these false teachers left the right way and went the wrong way. They followed the same way that the prophet Balaam went. He was the son of Beor who loved being paid for doing wrong. But a donkey told him that he was doing wrong. A donkey cannot talk, of course. But the donkey spoke with a man's voice and stopped the prophet from acting so crazy. These false teachers are like springs that have no water. They are like clouds that are blown by a storm. A place in the darkest, deepest dark darkness, excuse me, a place in the deepest darkness has been kept for them. There's you know what that's just said? You know what the scriptures actually saying there? Their place of eternal torment is reserved with their name on it. Now that's a frightening thought. I want a place reserved in heaven. Jesus said, Uh, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you. In other words, I can have a place reserved for me in heaven or I can, or I'm going to have a place reserved for me in hell. It's my choice, but I cannot follow the lusts of my flesh rather than following the, the leading of the spirit and get to that place. I cannot, it's not possible. The verse I've used many times in these lessons, uh, Galatians five seventeen, the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit lusteth against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. I cannot go to heaven and constantly, habitually give in to my flesh and the lust of my flesh. I cannot. So, verse 19. No, i start with verse 18 again. They boast with words that mean, that mean nothing. They lead people into the trap of sin. They find people who have just escaped from a wrong way of life and lead them back into sin. They do this by using the evil things people want to do in their human weaknesses, in their human weakness. These false teachers promise those people freedom, but they themselves are not free. They are slaves to a mind that has been ruined by sin. Yes, people are slaves to anything that controls them. I said this in the last version of the scripture I read. You say you're not controlled by it? Stop. Stop. Don't go on the internet anymore. Don't look at those websites anymore. Don't. Don't do it. Don't look at that woman anymore. Don't let, don't let your mind think about her anymore. Just stop. Don't let that spirit of lust bring her image to your mind. Don't. Just stop it. If you're not controlled by it, just stop. If you can't stop, that ought to frighten you to death. No, it ought to frighten you to salvation. It ought to frighten you to realize that you've given yourself over to something that you're really not in control of, and now you need a deliverer. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Well, there is a deliverer. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ, but he cannot deliver you against your will. You have to decide that. You have to decide that. Verse 20 People can be made free from the from evil in the world. They can be made free by knowing our Lord, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But if they go back into those evil things and are controlled by them, then it is worse for them than it was before. Yes, it would be better for them to have never known the right way. That would be better than to know the right way and then to turn away from the holy teaching that was given to them. I, I have... Ministered on the subject a few times over my entire ministry, the seven horrors of hell. And one of the one of the most frightening is not the fire that that would be horrible. It's not the perpetual falling. It's not the the, the blackness of darkness that actually is pain in itself. But it's the acuteness of memory that a person will have in hell, and they will remember every message they've ever heard, everyone they've ever preached, if they're a preacher, they remember every prayer they prayed, they remember and they will recognize every time God spoke to them and tried to deal with them and that they rejected it. They will remember everything and they have an eternity to play those things over and over and over in their mind, realizing their choices and where their choices led them. What a horrible, horrible, frightening thought. What a horrible thought. Well, why don't we do something about it while there's time to do something about it? So these lessons are not only to deal with us, but these lessons are for the purpose of equipping us to be able to help others that God would lead us to minister to, to help them understand where they are and how tragic this place is. So there's the last verse again. What they did is like true say, these true sayings. A dog vomits and goes back to what he, it threw up. And after a pig is washed, it goes back and rolls in the mud again. It doesn't have to be that way. It's one thing. <laughs> it's one thing to be sick and throw up. I don't have to go eat it again. Excuse the graphic nature of that, but that's exactly what the, this is Bible. Uh, After I've been washed, it's just a matter of staying clean by confessing and repentance. Because he said, uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible tells us to keep our garment, our robe of righteousness that was given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ, unspotted by the world, by the flesh. So, that's one thing. But to go back and just wallow in it again? To go back to that? No. The Lord has brought us out of sin. It is not his will or desire that we go back and habitually live in that sin again. If we do that, we may reach a place of deception and delusion from which there is no repentance. So, one more time. I want you to carefully note and consider the detailed description of how far God from God these former believers have wandered. Again, all of these scriptures are describing not people in the world that have never known God. All of these scriptures, scriptures are describing people who receive the whole, same Holy Ghost you received, who have been baptized in the same name of Jesus you've been baptized in, who went to worship services and worshiped God just like you do, sat and heard people preach, and then eventually some of them became preachers and preached messages just like maybe you are a preacher. And yet this describes the condition they got in. And where did it start? It all starts with a look. It all starts with undisciplined eyes, eyes that are not submitted to God. This is shocking, sobering, and should be arresting. And I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you and I will allow the Lord to give us his grace to empower us to do what would be pleasing to him. That we might always want to please him and walk in those things that are pleasing to him. And if we do that, then we don't ever have to worry about living in bondage to these things again. And even though we have flesh still until death of the rapture, that has a sinful nature. And even though at times we may fall, but falling down is not the same as staying down. Falling is not a habit. Staying down is a habit. Even if we, we attempt to repent while we're staying down there, there's nothing in here that's resolved to change. By the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak this grace upon you that you and I would be able and be empowered to walk in him and that he would in, in, in work in us to activate us in us a desire to please him and to empower us with the ability to do those things that are pleasing in his sight. God bless you. In Jesus' name.